Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. My name is Alex Croson, and I am alongside co-host of the century, Casey Clapp. It's a short century, a lot of lot of competitors to go, but I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have that badge right here. I will have to say, though, Alex, it is a co-host of the century. There's also another co-host of the century. Who's that? Alex Croson. Wow. The one, the only, the nettable, the settable. Nettable? My fish? Hey, I was thinking uh, nettable as in like a a nettle, but then I kind of messed it up a little Mm. bit. Yeah. uh, Let's not look too close into it. I just want to let everyone know when Casey said, I have my badge right here, he pointed to the fly on his pants. No, I didn't. (laughs) How dare you? Yeah, way to way to take this into toilet humor, Alex. Right, we're not we're thirty seconds into it, and well, now we're in the trash. Well, Casey, we are thirty seconds into this episode, and we are thirty seconds into a very special episode because you know what, my boy? What today? This episode is our fiftieth episode. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. That's such a good point. And Alex. To celebrate, I got a little song. <laughs> you did. I saw that you had that out. Oh my god, go go for it. That's as far as I practice. What is that song? You know, uh, what's that called? Celebration. Is oh, that okay. cool? It in the is. Game? Yeah, yeah. That, that probably is. Honestly, I didn't. I missed that you even put a uh, uh, a tambourine oh, yeah. on your foot as a as a foot stomp and tambourine. Well, it kind of fell flat that that you didn't recognize the song, which is not your fault. I would play oh. it on a single uh, melodica. Yeah, that's fair. But it's a big sell. It's a big this day, is, case. I'm, I, you're right. I'm gonna. If I had a popper, I'd pop it right now. I, pop. I thought about getting some some little crackers, uh, as they call them in the UK. I have a half a burrito. Let's pu- let's pull it. Let's pull either Ooh. side of it. <laughs> Break it in half. Oh. The last two bits of a quarter burrito. <laughs> Yum. Uh, Casey, yes, this is our fiftieth episode. How Congratulations! Does that feel? Congratulations if, to you. Uh, oh my god, it feels good. We're talking right now about doing all sorts of stuff. There's lot, lots of things happening. There always is. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, feels good. Never thought we'd be here at this last year. Yeah. I'm, I, I've, I've said this before, and it's it's a it's a bit vulnerable to say, but I I didn't know if we would last six episodes. Yeah, I remember that was sort that. of my number, which is a strange number to be at. But we're happy that you're there. You know, I had a, I had an algorithm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's just you, there's some complicated like spreadsheet that you said mm-hmm. at the end of it, it comes out with twenty three. <gasps> it's like a risk assessment thing. <laughs> oh, I I'd put like- in our personality traits and our. Uh, <laughs> I feel like any risk assessment that includes me is going to be like run high risk. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, but yes, congratulations, Case. Congratulations and, um, to you. Got to say thank you to everybody who li- who listens, and uh, especially not especially, but a sh- special shout out to the 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 all timers, the people who were here with us from episode one. Yeah, right. Whoever commented on that very first uh, that very first post. Yeah, who whatever. Like, however, I'm excited for this. Yeah, exactly. Or like, oh my god, like listen to it and like gave us a thumbs up. Listen to it. Period. Yeah. Wow. I didn't expect that. Honestly, I put it out there and I was expecting like there'd be a couple like. You know, our friends and family, but apparently a bunch of people who don't know us were like, I'm going to give these guys a shot. Well, yes, Casey, you brought you brought that popularity with you from yes, uh, yeah. from your wonderful uh, ologies episode. I guess as it works out, you know what? We're giving we're giving people uh, things that are good to have. Yes. <laughs> trees, tree knowledge and tree things. We're like Santa Clauses. Yeah, exactly. In fact, right now I'm working on a... Uh, um, a, a talk somehow. I don't know what it's going to look like, but mm. we're working on it. So there's a there's a an international society of arboriculture uh, conference. ISA. Um, is, that's the one. Now, this is the ISA proper. This is the big one. Wow. Not the localized chapter. Oh wow. And they're having a conference. I think it's in Sweden this year. Cool. So um, shout out to our fungal associate in Sweden. I know we have at least one. Oh yeah. Of that. Um, we have a cone. A cone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cone of the month club. Exactly. Member I, in I literally just looked at their name today. If I saw it right now, I would say hello specifically. We're, we're going to give you a like somewhere. <laughs> um, either way, so it's in Sweden. So I'm like, oh, I think it's in Malmo. I think that's how you might pronounce that huh. name. So I was like, well, I, I should try to go. So I'm going to try and put a talk in about why it's important that we're doing this show. Wow. Specifically, Alex, why it's important that people also think it's important. Like, what 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 is this show trying to accomplish? And, mm-hmm. and what do I think, what do we think? Uh, it means in a larger sense. So mm. uh, essentially, uh, is it important that you can identify a tree on a fundamental mm. level of like being a good human? Is that rhetorical? No. Yeah, I think right now it's rhetorical because okay. I'm still working on the, the details I'll here. hold off on my answer. Please do. Save for the end of the show. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I'm working on this uh, this big thing and ideally more talks like it will come down the pike. So Sweet. This show, Alex, has changed my entire perspective because mm. initially I'm just happy to talk about trees. Everyone kind of knows that, you know? Sure. But with such a response that we've had and the fact that you yourself are becoming very quickly a dendrologist, mm-hmm. it's just, it's kind of stunning to me that maybe other people would also be interested in like, oh, maybe is this, could this be something that's like a little bit like more important than just mm-hmm. like, oh, cool, I'm interested in this. I'm going to just press play. Yeah, you're onto you know? something, Casey. I'm hoping that we are onto something, Alex. I, I think it would be, it's, uh, I think it would be wrong to not. Uh, morally capitalize on our platform ah. uh, and our position in in the in the podcast world. To if we just sat back and said, "Okay, we're fine with just having a podcast," mm, yeah, uh, it would be silly, I think, to do that. We we uh, we have a lot of plans for some big fun things. We've ex- executed yeah. a lot of them this year. We did last year the solstice celebration. Oh yes, last My year. God. Excuse me. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. We're not. We can't give away the ghost. Wow, the solstice celebration went perfectly, didn't it, Casey? <laughs> it was incredible. Uh, it's in two days, and Casey and I are <laughs> shitting our pants. <laughs> yeah, we do things a little bit early right now. It's only a week early than normal. That's true. Anyway. Uh, Casey, we got a great tree to talk about today. Yes, we do, Alex. I'm not extremely familiar with this tree. However, I know there is one just a block away from my home. Sure is. You and I commented on, on it almost constantly. Yeah. It is a gorgeous, humongous... Humongous. European beach. That's the one... Are you excited, Alex? I'm excited. I'm excited for this for two reasons. One, it's a great tree. Happy to talk about it. Yeah. Number two is that this tree, I think, 
everyone else will be excited about. Number three, I lied. I have three things. Okay. Whilst doing research mm-hmm. for this here arboreal thing, yes. I have learned a lot more about this tree than I thought I, I would know. I think it's going to make this discussion quite a bit more richer. Wow, fascinating. I've also learned there is an aperitif that I could have made for this if I had thought about it, but I didn't, and so we are not drinking a uh, nutty beach aperitif. We'll try it next year. Okay. I, we have to wait till the leaves next are on. Next year? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the springtime. I guess, yeah, springtime. Not next year, the next, uh, the growing season. This coming spring. Yeah. It's in gin, though, so that's going to, you know, if you don't like gin, it's not really going to be worth We'll tell you what it's like. Okay. Well, Casey, before we record, before we started recording, I told you that I had one joke I wanted to tell. Yes, you did. This episode. All right. Um, Can I get, am I, should, should I get ready right now? Okay, for a second I thought you were just going to like pepper it in somewhere, then I had to be like, oh, that's the joke. I, no, okay. no, no, this is not a tease okay, moment. Okay, gotcha. Uh, hey, uh, Case, isn't it true that um, another common name for the European beach is the nude beach? <laughs> I don't even know why it would be a yes or a no to that question. I didn't know what to answer. <laughs> Because there are so many nude beaches in Europe. <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh! And I'm I was thinking playing with like, the spelling of the word beach. Yes, okay, so I got the beach part. I uh, No, I didn't. I was thinking, no, I, w- I think I put it all together. Tell it again. <clears throat> hey, Casey, isn't it true that another common name for the European beach is the nude beach? <laughs> Gross, Alex. My chest feels warm. <laughs> that's a good joke. I like that joke. I think that's a good one. Casey, as we do every episode, let's imagine that you and I are walking not one block from my apartment, okay. and we see this glorious European beach. Maybe we're also in Europe. Who yeah. knows? Um, we have a we have a, a north a, a Pacific Northwest bias anyway. Hey, that is true. Yeah, people have called us out for that, and the answer is, well, yeah, of yes. course. <laughs> so. Um, so, Casey, let's ID this tree. Woo! Ooh, all right, so here's uh, here's the first thing you're going to notice. You're going to walk up. It's going to be a big tree. Yeah. It's going to be a large tree, and usually we start with other things. I have to start on this one with the bark. The bark is what oh. sets this tree apart. Wow. Now, the reason I say that is because this is a big tree, so when you're walking up, the first thing you're going to probably see is the trunk of it at like your face height. Sure. Um, this beach tree as well as the american beach and i'm pretty sure other beaches but funny enough i have not seen there's a there's a couple different species of them um but i don't know that i have seen any more than just these two which i find curious now that i'm thinking about it hmm. you ever re- ever have a realization as you're saying something yeah every yeah, day that was it <laughs> every day well this is one for me so as it turns out, you're walking around and you see this big, gigantic, circular stem, and it is like bone white gray. Mm. It's not as white as like a paper birch or an aspen or anything like sure. that. Sure, but it's like this elephant gray, and it even looks like the a base of an elephant, like a column-sized elephant leg foot yes it has does it have a buttress base casey yes but not like an insanely buttress base like not like a uh, a spruce that spruce really have like very fluted bases that come out Mm -hmm. tropical trees do this way often um but it does it has like the kind of normal amount of like a little little bell bottom little bell bottom right at the base you know little toes coming out making sure everything is uh solid hey a bell bottom with the base speaking of cool in the gang yeah exactly yeah this is i'm feeling oh is that 
So the next thing that you're going to see Sorry. about this tree, what? <laughs> Sometimes I interject and then I immediately feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I always have to just be like, no, I loved it. Keep it's my going. show too. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm always loving it. So you're watching, uh, you, you look at this big beech tree, you see this big stem, this column, yeah. very gray, smooth bark, maybe a little bit of white lichen patches on it here and there. You look up and you're just like, wow, this is like stunning. You see this gigantic crown. Usually those crowns come all the way down to the ground level. Mm. Um, mostly, you know, if they've been pruned up, that's pretty good, but like they'll be wide and they'll be all the way down the sides of the tree. And you'll see alternately arranged leaves. The thing about these leaves, though, is they are a beautiful, lustrous green on top, a very light kind of muted green on bottom. Hmm. Alternately arranged, popping out of there, and they're simple leaves that are very like standard leaf. I think that's the best way to describe it. They have uh, sometimes little teeny tiny hairs on younger leaves that come off right on the margins. But other than that, they have no serrations. They are undulating, though, so they kind of have a waviness um, going along them as they go down. Do I love that? that look, man. It really is a spectacular look. This tree pulls it off like like crazy. I think the tree that is, exemplifies that waviness, yeah. which I think we should call ruffles. I think we, I think we should. It's a ruffled, ruffled beach. A ruffled leaf. Yeah. Uh, is the catalpa. The catalpa yes, does that really well. It does. It? I think. I think it does. Yeah, they kind of hang down a little bit more, so I kind of see them. But they're like big. So like the undulations look almost like sand dunes. You yes. Know? As yeah. opposed to like little riffles underneath water. That's a good. That's a good point. Yeah, but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're right. Thank you. So um, the big thing about this is the uh, European beach, which I should note is Fagus selvatica. Mm. Fagus being the Latin term for beach, and selvatica meaning of the forest. So this is the forest beach. Okay. Um, so I think we might have brought this up on a couple other trees. Uh, you know, like Pennsylvania? That's right. I was yeah. trying to think. We've, we've talked about the etymology of the Sylvatica before. Yeah. Uh, Sylvania is, sil, uh, means forest. Exactly. So Pennsylvania is Penn's Forest. Penn's Forest. Which is the last name of somebody William who Penn. founded Pennsylvania. Yep. That's the guy, that nice Quaker. City of brotherly love, Philadelphia. I'm sure he was a great guy. Hey, I don't like it, right? I will move on. Um, but they have um, they have veins that come out. Those veins run parallel to each other. Okay. Coming off this mid rib uh, or this mid vein on the leaf. Now, they come out and the European beach has five to nine vein pairs coming on the leaf. The American Fagus grandifolia, which means Fagus big leaves, mm-hmm. has nine to 14 pairs. There's a great ID qualifier. That's exactly it. If you're looking at it, you want to know, you're like, okay, smooth bark, these big lustrous leaves. Yeah. Then the last thing to look at is they have really long cigar-like buds. Wow. Like maybe about an inch long. Like they're really, really long and pointy. Okay. Kind of like if you take a, a piece of normal like printer paper mm-hmm. and you roll it up and then you kind of like pull it so it like becomes a cone rather than like a, a little cylinder got it when you pull that cone up and you make it as tight as you possibly can but it's still really skinny so a long skinny cylinder uh point cone right at the tip great visual analogy yeah, there you go imbricate cone scales which means the cone scales overlap so you get this really beautiful kind of like um almost looks like a paper mache thing like a dunce cap that's really tall and skinny you said cone scales uh sorry i meant bud scales Oof, thank you casey Oof. I, you almost blew my mind. I almost blew my mind, too. Almost, <laughs> everyone was just writing that down, and they're just like, oh, what kind of tree is this? <laughs> yeah, was, Linnaeus was freaking out. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so you have those long cigar-like um, buds and these big, lustrous green leaves, and then 
You count those individual veins, you know that it's going to be the European. If it has five to nine, it's going to be the American. If it has nine to 14, and the last bit is they have flowers. Who cares? There's a little flowers. Like, okay, wow. There's, there's some flowers here. Some flowers Dismissive there. of the beach flowers. There's just, there's just not a whole lot. Like, they're just, they're not incredible flowers. Like, let me, let me Google and get my take. Yeah. They honestly, they just look like little fuzzballs that kind of pop out. Oh, yeah. They're like, yeah, that's kind of it. They're like, uh, they look a little half assed. Yeah, they really do. It's kind of like, yeah, let's put all of our beauty into everything else. Flowers, no one cares. You kind of got to like look at it for a second to like orient yourself. Like, yeah. where is the flower? Oh, there's the flower. Exactly. You can see like a little bit of pollen kind of at the end of the male flowers. Yeah. yeah it looks a little, sh- it. it's like a little shaggy fluff ball. Yeah. It's exactly it. It, it. And you just kind of shake it. The wind blows it. And then you get pollen that goes to the, the other trees nearby. You get your beech nuts. As a fruit. That's a utility flower. It totally is. It's a utility flower. They, they put no effort into it. They just decided we're going to make it work, and that's going to be it. Let's talk beech nuts. Beech nuts are edible seeds inside of these fruits. Now, the family Fagaceae is the larger family that includes oaks and chestnuts. Okay. So. Totally. This big family, if you look at the uh, what it looks like, the beech nut. The beech nut opens up and it has kind of these um, capsules. These capsules stay closed and they have little spikes on them. They're mm-hmm. not like spikes that would hurt you. They're just general spikes. They're just pointed at one end. Yeah, they're, exactly. Yeah, they're just pointed at one end. They'll, they'll give as soon as you give a little pressure to them. They open up in, uh, in four. So you have one uh, oh. opposite little like uh, capsule sort of, uh, you know, they're like, I don't know. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. They look like an escape pod kind of like, yeah, kind of like opening up or like some alien, like uh, some alien pod. Honestly, is what I think about them. What this pod looks like is like maybe like a flower from like a man-eating plant flower yeah. that like splits open in four. You yeah, know? it does. I, I see that, and I also see like it looks like they have eyelashes on it. So I kind of see yeah. like weird eyelashes. So my imagination kind of runs wild with maybe, these. Maybe just Google these. Yeah, Google them, and then uh, tell us tell us what you think they are. So the inside, though, that little seed, that's mm-hmm. the beech nut, officially speaking. You break it open, and the seed coat on the inside, or the little seed bit on the on the, uh, uh, the inside, like the flesh, you yeah. can eat it. Totally edible. Is it good? Um, I've never had it. I'd like to try it, though. Okay. Um, because apparently it was good good enough that people were like, we're going to take this and potentially like carry it with them and plant these trees everywhere. Mm. We don't know this for sure, so we're going to get into that a little later. Casey, I have a question. Yes. It's hypothetical, basically. All right, all right. This is related to the chestnut, Fagaceae. Yes. And it, this beach makes nuts. Yeah. Beach nuts. Mm-hmm. One word. Mm, yeah. Why is the beach not called a beach nut tree? That's a good question. Wrap your brain around that one. Why is it not? Why do we just call it the beach tree? Yeah. Then, but then, you uh, don't call it the chest tree. Yeah. Why? We should call it the chest tree. Yeah. Mm. The chest tree is chestnuts. Duh. Right. <laughs> That's a curious question. Something needs to be looked we, into here. Yeah, we just call it the beech tree. You know what? Actually, Alex, I might have a wow. related question. I might I might be able to do this. Okay. So the chestnut, I don't know where that term chestnut came from, other than the fact that castanea, or uh, I think, yeah, castanea is the, the Latin for it. And so the Latin for it might have been for chestnut, meaning the nut that comes from the tree. So they would yeah. initially their word is saying chestnut. That's the that's the thing that we eat. Therefore, this tree is a chestnut tree. But if the etymology came from the tree first and the nuts second, mm-hmm. then you would say, oh, this is called the beech. Its etymology, funny enough. 
this is gonna this has been research that's been done comes from the word book. We're gonna get into that in a second though. Wow. Not to give anything away. How exciting. So if you already say, Oh, this is the the beech tree, the book tree, essentially, yeah, then the thing that comes from it is the nut of the beach. So therefore, we just see the tree first, okay. the nut second. It's a chicken and egg thing. I think it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So fair enough. That might be the that might be the answer. I Something. don't know for sure. I'm gonna start calling book nuts. Yeah, I'm gonna start calling it uh, the chest. Mm. Just a chest. There's a chest a, tree. A chest tree. Okay. So the last thing about these uh, these little nuts is that um, they would fall out. And then they would be underneath this dense canopy, right? Okay. And this is kind of what makes this tree interesting. If we're walking through a European forest mm-hmm. instead of uh, just next door, uh, we would potentially see a forest, if it's old enough, of nothing but beech trees. Wow. Oak trees, hornbeams, eh, this, that, here, kind of spread out maybe a at, few. As you've said before, Europe at one point was just one giant forest. One gigantic forest. Yeah. Now, that gigantic forest in the uh, in like the northern section of England, say, mm-hmm. has way more oak trees, almost no beaches at all. Okay, allegedly, mm. as you go further south, beaches make up like ten percent of the forest type in say France and kind of Germany and central Central Europe. If you go further. Uh, south, then beaches kind of start rising in elevation up to like 5,000 some feet. Okay. Because it gets warmer there as you go low. You get kind of that um, Mediterranean climate. For those of you who have not been there, uh, it's California. That's essentially what the Mediterranean climate is. Warm and dry with these kind of almost arid, but not quite arid kind of feel to it. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the beach trees want a little warmer. So they, uh, a little warmer, uh, I'm sorry, not warmer, more water. So they climb up in elevation where you get a little bit more rain. So you start getting these forest mixtures where if it's left for long enough, this tree ends up dominating a forest where there are oaks and other plants and things because they are amazingly shade tolerant. Wow. They will grow. That little beech nut will fall. If it doesn't get eaten by a little pig or you know a deer or something like that yeah. um, or a human, right. then that little nut will turn into a new beech tree that new beech tree will grow up and it will slowly take over the forest that it's in which in some instances people are like well of course that's 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 exactly what we want because Mm -hmm. this is the single greatest tree in the world it's beautiful it's great i love it to death all they're all about it being the dominant thing yeah other people are like yeah this tree's taking out all of our oak trees because the oak trees are not quite as good at competing in shade conditions Mm. they are but they're not like as good as the beaches the beach is a bit of a strong arm. It is, yeah. It's, but it's a strong arm that grows really slow. So it's kind of like an arm that's like pushing you out of the way slowly mm. over, you know, 80 years until you're like, wow, I'm dead. What, <laughs> what happened? Interesting. That's what happens with these things. And they grow up, and you can see them. If you go to um, the eastern United States where mm-hmm. we have our, our native beech tree, um, you can see that the beach is growing in the densest forest, but they have branches all the way down to the ground because they're so shade tolerant. They just don't lose their leaves because of shade, like a Douglas fir would. Right. Douglas fir has to lose everything below it because it's like, well, I'm not shade tolerant. I'm not getting any energy from this. So they just let them go. Whereas the beech tree would have leaves all the way down to the very bottom. Mm. They would just keep growing. So a little sapling would just be fully covered in leaves the whole entire thing even though it's like in this thick canopy of other things interesting yeah so you can always tell beech tree because of that it's just kind of like a hemlock around here or a uh, western red cedar where 
down big, deep forest, no foliage except for hemlocks and these western red cedars, because they too are shade tolerant, which means they're dominant species in the later successional forest. So if you just let the succeeding happen for as long as you can, mm-hmm. these trees will grow up. Everything else that is early successional will pass away and slowly decompose and die, get out-competed, and the things that will live and survive will be the beaches, and they can self-propagate because if one tree takes over and starts shading, the other trees that grow below can take those shade conditions and they can continue to grow up. So you can kind of get these things that start repeating themselves. So it's like a a cycle that goes, and then once it gets to a certain point, it just self-perpetuates until some big, huge thing comes through and kind of starts that cycle over again with new trees. It's very admirable of the European beach. You think so? I think so. Uh, it's okay. it's not flashy. It just it just uh, you know keeps pushing, keeps going. It's so funny that you say that, Alex, because I think that so many people would say this tree is extremely flashy. Well, that's a difference of opinion there. Have you heard of the book the uh, the Hidden <laughs> Life of Trees? I have. Yes, we've talked about it. It blew the world up in like 2017, 2018. Right, right. That guy, Peter Wallenbend, is talking about the European beach. That is his main focus. Basically, he wrote a book that is explaining why the European beach is the best, most perfect thing in the entire existence of the world. The payoff to this lead up after the break. We'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back. To completely arbitrary. Today we're talking European beach or nude beaches, as I call them. Vegas, Silvatica. Wow. Uh, Casey, during the break, we read a little article yep. about the etymology of the word beach and its relation to the word book. May I? You may. It's, it's, I'm not going to read this whole thing, obviously. But basically, it supports the idea that the word beach, that the word book, rather, comes from the word beach because Western Germanic peoples used beech wood to uh, inscribe runes. Yeah. So that's really fun and cool. And you know what else is kind of interesting about this, which is somewhat fascinating for me, is that the beach book, Bark. Mm-hmm. Remember, I told you it was really smooth. Yeah. 
this is one of the classic examples of a tree that gets written on with people carving into the bark. Oh, okay. Not only that, but it would also last for a really long time, just kind of the way the tree grew. If you carved into it, it would kind of expand a little bit. Mm. And um, that article that I had you read, which we'll have a link at our show notes at the website, um, is specifically in response to the book, The Overstory. And I, you heard of this book? I think we've talked about it a few times. Oh, have I heard of this book? Of course you have. Have I read this book? No. Yeah, we, we got to get you on that. So, um, but he specifically, uh, the author, Richard Power, says that it's named the beach after book because people would write on it and then like makes a parallel with the fact that we still do today, yeah. like carving into the um, the birch or the bark, ah, the beach bark. I keep on saying <laughs> birch. Everyone's going to be so confused here. How many times have I already said birch instead of beach? So, I haven't been keeping count. Yeah, don't start now. Um, so it's one of these trees that has has an interesting uh, history, Alex. And this is this is one of the very very first like bits that comes down to it is that this tree is from Europe. As we've discussed, mm-hmm. it is a uh, a nude beech. The nude beech from Europe is a tree that's existed there for a really long time. We have uh, fossils from even beech species that were in Oregon here like 50 million years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's an old species of tree, old genus of trees. And the fact that we are still like planting it and everyone still thinks it's great. In fact, I'll give you another example. I told you that people um, still think that this is like one of the best trees in the world. Well, the Arbor Day Foundation says that... uh, they name that this beach is probably described as the finest specimen tree available. Wow. Full stop. That's what they say. Not here, not there, not somewhere, period. I mean, that's a really high honor. The finest. This is the Arbor Day Foundation. And then uh, tree expert Michael Durr, who's written a bunch of books. like, And also, uh, his what is his? His famous book is uh, Manual of Woody Plants, Ooh, which wow. is like a huge, huge tome about every woody plant, all the different cultivars. It's like the standard go-to resource. Jesus. Um, yeah, if I showed it to you, you would immediately hand it back to me. Like, <laughs> I don't want this. It's not quite that bad as it sounds, but it's it's not great. Yeah, However, sounds like a lot. He also loves to add in his opinions on things where he will say, man, mostly this tree is, is overplanted, pretty awful. The flowers aren't that good, and people usually plant it in poor ways. And like, he'll... he'll editorialize as much wait as wait a minute wants. a tree expert likes to interject his own opinions <laughs> into Honestly, something yeah yeah swipe this from out of right beneath him didn't we this is uh not something i'm familiar with michael durr has an opinion on this tree he says so beautiful that it overwhelms one at first sight oh wow yeah are you that that's that's the level we're talking about i mean i i, I sort of get that even from my small interaction with the beech tree down down the road for me yeah it's it just kind of stunning right? it, it really it, looking at it gives me not vertigo but something mm. related to vertigo Ooh. where i'm like wow that's so big that's I, like a huge huge object it's giant yeah and it's also like a gorgeous huge object where yeah. you're just like man i'm just like it's so symmetrical and like the angles and it, like the whole thing yeah. looks like an architect Sexual masterpiece. Of, yes. You know, but also like there's a certain amount of chaos to it, but that chaos always kind of comes down together. I, I gave a description about how branches work one time, and it's essentially the idea that you have from the top, a big tree looks like absolute chaos. Like there's just a million branches going in every mm. direction. There's a thousand leaves on every little 
twig. How does that all work? But if you just follow it down, right. it's completely controlled. Like there's a very obvious solution that this tree has, has come up with, and this is this is the chaotic, you know, end result. Sure. That's I think exactly what people see in this tree. Like it's the exemplifying object to show that concept of controlled chaos, not controlled chaos, but like informed chaos. Sure. You know, does that make sense? Informed chaos. That's great. Yeah. I I hope that that can like, someone's relating to this somewhere. Maybe. Can I, can I do something? Yeah, of course. I'd like to give the term informed chaos. Croson's stump of approval. Look at that. Man, every now and then I get one of those, or you get one of those, and then when it just makes me feel good. That's makes good. me feel like we're on, we're on to something. Well, let's talk beach, Case. Okay, so, you remember the Ice Age, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy, what a time. Yeah, it was really cold. Man, uh, a lot of sweaters. Bring a jacket. Yeah, right. So, the Ice Age existed in the late, uh, it ended in the late Pleistocene, is mm. the, the uh, we, we decided it's called an epic. Yes. Epoch. Um, I like to pronounce it epoch because I'm, right. uh, I like Ewoks. So oh, you sure. mash it together. Epoch, Ewok. It was the Ewok Epoch. <laughs> and during this Ewok Epoch, the Pleistocene, there was a size age. It was about 202.6 million years ago to uh, essentially 11,000 some years ago, like uh, just shy of 12,000 years ago. Wow. That was this this whole big epoch. It's a chunk it, of time. It's a pretty good chunk of time. And what happened during then is we had the classic ice age, quote unquote, because there were actually many small ice ages where you had these ma- glacial maximums and then the interglacial periods, okay. which are like what we're in right now could just be an interglacial period. Right. These are people who don't believe in climate change. They're like, well, the climate is just in this big shift of this, you know, we're now on an uprise in heat and then at some point it'll go back down and we'll have another ice age. Okay. That's fair, except this one's certainly human caused. Yes. To be very clear. Accelerated. Yes, precisely. So, in uh, way back then, uh, there was these glacial maximums where you had ice age um, sheets of ice coming all the way down, covering everywhere in the north and uh, a lot of places in the south and they just kind of went way down compared to where they are today. At that point in time, there was ice covering almost all of England except for the very south. Mm. Most of um, the super northern states, Norway, that kind of thing. And over in the United States and in North America, it came all the way down almost to Seattle, covered all the Great Lakes, most of Maine and, you know, New England, that kind of area, all of Canada pretty much. So you had all these ice, uh, ice sheets that came way down. All those ice sheets ended up making so the ground or the water, uh, all the oceans were way low. Mm. And I'll I'll bring this back. Just hold on. Um, During these ice ages, uh, trees that now grow in the far north would have grown way, way, way further south. Because right now, you go to northern Canada. It's really cold there for much of the year. You have like spruce trees. Way back in um, this, in like the glacial maximums, when you had these glaciers 20,000, 25,000 years ago, way, 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 way down. That was the last time they were so far low. Then you had spruce trees growing in where today we have like our normal East Coast variety, our normal Central European trees. Oh, because that was the boundary of of climate where they felt comfortable growing. Precisely. And it was just a lot lower in latitude. Yes, correct. You got got it it all right. So at this point, beech trees had to find refuges that were way lower. So you get this, uh, people talk about migration of trees and Mm -hmm. all these things, and everyone's like, but trees don't migrate. And then you slap them upside the head because they they don't understand how things work. Yeah. Thank you. um, So these trees were actually way down in the south, 
they kind of had this like existence down in the southern area. As the uh, the glaciers receded, which in Europe apparently it happened so fast, hmm. like a mind blowing kind of speed, especially on a on a, a level of the entire you know geologic time, like between four and five hundred years, some ridiculous amount of ice just disappeared overnight. Wow. And when you think about that, that's like if someone lives to be 100 years old and they watch uh, glaciers like recede by miles within their own lifetime. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And especially you can literally watch the ocean rise. So that's happening time, now, right? It I mean, is happening now. But imagine um, like we have now 100 years worth of data and you can say, yeah, we've actually seen a level of, of sea rise by a foot and a half. I see. So now every mountain in every elevation, we have to like limit by a foot because now sea level is higher. You know wow. What I mean? Yeah. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but I kind of like the idea. Like for, as punishment, you're now one foot shorter. <laughs> I don't know. It'll be fun. So, um, what happened is during this time, uh, there were glaciers way down low. These glaciers that were way down low ended up started moving up at a really quick pace, yeah, really fast. So then the beech trees and all the spruce trees and all the other trees that are down there started moving up north. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm just going to keep walking, keep going up until I can get to my, my next migration point, wherever just, the next best place is. Just because they could? Yeah. You got good habitat. When, uh, when glaciers recede, they leave like this glacial till is what it's called. Mm. And it's essentially all the stuff that they either grind up or they like are pushing around. So then when they come back, they're just leaving this essentially uninhabited landscape oh. that's just open for the picking. So new grasses and small things start colonizing this area. Then these trees start to colonize the area. I see. So, not only if you have uh, plants moving up into this area, you're also going to have animals. At this time, there was an animal called Homo sapiens that was also moving mm. up around here. So, um, about 23, 24, 20 some thousand years ago, um, the most recent kind of uh, evolution or the most recent migration of humans started coming up. In it's it's a little bit of a weird time. I don't, I can't really like. There's a lot of different information I, I'm trying to put together as a non-expert in a lot of this. Sure, it becomes a little bit difficult to figure out. However, um, people have loved the beech tree for thousands and thousands of years because of those beech nuts that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. They're super edible. So the chestnuts, the beech nuts, uh, acorns, anything that you could eat that you could find in the temperate forest here that wasn't going to run away. It was fantastic. Yeah, I'm going to eat this. It's going to be delicious. Of right? course, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't, you can't get all snooty. You can't when, the, yeah. when it's do or die. Yeah, you're going to get snooty, and when you get snooty, you get left behind by the tribe because mm. they're like, "No, eat the beech nut or die." Wow. Yeah, at least I assume that's what they would do. Beech nuts or death. Beech nuts or death. Uh, death, please. Thank you. Let them eat beech nuts. <laughs> Let them eat beech nuts. You are so French right now. My God. <laughs> Well, as it turns out, uh, this tree, once it got to kind of its its big like resurgence after these glaciers left, yeah. it essentially took up all of Europe, from wow. France all the way over to Poland and Ukraine, Belgium. It kind of went up to about Denmark, all the way down into the higher uh, sort of more mountainous regions in uh, Italy and Greece, all the way down to like Serbia. It won the arms race. It totally did. It took over everything. And it was growing very much with uh, the rest of all of its, you know, forest components. And everyone would use it for everything. They were like, hey, this is beautiful. Mm. Turns out they probably, as they started doing, uh, moving up, and this is, you know, 
we're fast forwarding and coming back and fast forwarding and coming back. Um, people would use it, as you said through this article, uh, they would use it to write on. Either they would write on the, the bark itself and then like have this be a thing. They would make a table out of it, then write runes on the table or Hell use yeah. the table to write runes upon on something else. That's where we started getting the term for book. Right. So book came from beach. And then when people were looking at this, they looked at the distribution of the beech tree, and they actually made the argument, which is now a, they kind of made a defunct argument. But the term for beech that is the same as book, apparently, also, they were arguing, came from an Indo-European language that started all the European languages and essentially everything that goes down through India and uh, Persian and Iran and all these kind of places, like this huge, big section of the world is this sanskrit no yes this is sanskrit yeah this is sanskrit would have come from an indo-european language oh okay or pre-sanskrit yes a proto-indo-european proto-indo-european yes p-i-e so um so they actually were using the beech tree and saying well because this word came uh was the basis of all these other words this was probably where the people were speaking the most widely spoken language. Mm. Then that language ended up spreading to other places. Therefore, we can say that these people initially originated here, at least whoever spoke this language. Wow. So it's a fascinating argument. Apparently, they kind of said, nah, not quite. And mostly it's because beech trees have been moved around a lot. So like, well, back then, 20,000 years ago, when people were initially creating these languages, were they speaking a language that was surrounded by, or that had, uh, or were they speaking a language in a place that had beech trees? Because then they would have said, well, then that language would have said the same word for beech tree there and everywhere else as that language spread around. They would have already had a word for beech tree. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Can you say that again? Yeah, I'm sorry. I kind of, I kind of talked like this. That, 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 that. No, I just I, I, at a certain point I lose you, and then I start thinking about the fact that I lost you. Oh, and yeah. And then I really lose you. And then you. it really goes crazy. Yeah. All right. Let me give you. Let me let me redo it. Okay. In point A, you have a language that's spoken, and you see a thing, and you name it a beech tree. You yes. Name it whatever the word is. I actually don't even know how to pronounce it. I look this up, and I'm like, that it looks like it's boho or something like that. Right. No clue. So. You have that thing. It's okay. There's a there's a beech tree right there. That language and those people then spread out across uh-huh. Europe. So if they initially started with the term for beech tree, they continually see beech trees. They always will use that same term. As languages change and become their own, then you get those kind of derivatives of one language, just like anything else in a language. The, if the all the Romance languages have about the same word for the same thing, yeah. but they're just slightly different. Same thing for beach. So they've traced it all back to like this one word. So they said, well, if they have this, then we can probably say that every this language came from a place that had these beech trees and then using the range of beech trees to say this is where these people came from. Right. So then you're like, okay, well, and it kind of shifts it a little bit west. So it kind of became more Eurocentric. They ended up saying, no, that's not true because beaches were actually moved around or didn't exist in these locations because this, because this is an interglacial period. And now everything's confused. Alex. I see. I liked that nice theory before, you know, whoever yeah. came along and disrupted it. I know it was just a little too simple, right? But what's funny and why this actually is still kind of relevant today is because in like the last 25 years, people started questioning if beech trees were actually native to certain places to begin with, Hmm. or if they actually were the initial, the very first instance of an invasive species being brought by humans. 
Wow. Which is really curious. I don't know if they would, if we can technically use these terms, but it brings up a very interesting gray area. So it's a fun theory. Okay, we can't quite match up language and beech trees because at the time, because of these glacial changes, beech trees probably didn't exist in the same exact places that they exist today. Sure. So then we're like, well, okay, cool. Well, where do they exist today? Where did they exist back then? And there are now people in England and Scotland who uh, I think like 25 years ago, someone basically said, well, actually, um, beech trees aren't even native to England at all. They came after humans came. Hmm. So people moved over into the British Isles. Then they brought over with them beech nuts because I can eat these. They're delicious. Let's plant them over here. Wow. So then they started growing beech trees, Alex. Cool. This is what people think. Now, they're not quite sure. And then everyone, of course, as soon as you do that, because this is such an iconic tree, remember, people write entire books about this. It's their favorite tree to climb. It's these the gold standard in specimen trees. Mm-hmm. As soon as you say, that's actually an invasive species. It should be cut down and <laughs> cold from the forest. Well, yeah. People start getting a little bit upset. And I, like, think it's, I think it's earned legacy yeah, status <laughs> at this point. You know, like, yeah. it's been grandfathered in. Well, and isn't that the curious thing? So now that you say that, Alex, this is very curious. Mm. So you grandfather it in. Let's say that the theory is correct, that essentially these glaciers, um, and this is the reason I brought up all those glacier things, is A, to kind of discuss how these trees have been moved, so yeah, that's, that's why you can't really pull the language in. That's interesting. We do know, though, for sure, book and beach came from this thing, but that's from a Germanic language, probably happened way afterwards. Okay. Um, and also with this birch uh, birch thing, like the writing trees, things kind of all conflated. However... At the time when these glaciers were at their maximum, they actually covered a lot of Scotland and kind of the northern areas of um, of those islands. Mm-hmm. And the water level was so low that there was a connection between Europe and England that now we call the English Channel. Okay. So at that point, the water level was so low that you could just walk straight across. Wow. If I can walk straight across, a tree can grow straight across or get blown straight across uh-huh. or anything like that. They still can today. It's just not near as common. Um, but essentially, the idea was that humans walked over there, but the trees had not actually grown their way up. They didn't move as fast as the humans did, allegedly. So then when the water filled back up and the glaciers receded, mm-hmm. they did so, so fast, all of a sudden, in a matter of a couple thousand years, what used to be this big, wide-open expanse of land is now filled with water. Wow. So they're like, it's impossible for this tree. There's no genetics of this tree um, coming from this area. I couldn't find the exact study. I was going to read through this big thing, and it, it, it was very complicated. But a bunch of people pointed back to this Harris et al. study that said something. Then other people looked into it, and it basically, the entire argument boils down to this, that the beech tree, as we know, the European beech, mm-hmm. is native to Central Europe. It did not move up quick enough into the northern reaches as the glaciers receded so such that it is a native species by the time people got there. Right. So we then brought it over. And now the question is, if we, 20,000 years ago, Homo sapiens, we, brought beech trees into the native forests of these places that before that did not have them, are they considered an invasive species? At the time we would have been considered essentially dispersers of the seeds of beech trees. Sure. We weren't doing agriculture in the way we know it today. We weren't taking it around saying, we're going to plant these trees all over the place. Um, we can't you know, say for sure what, what happened exactly, right? So it's curious, if we do that today, 
we have uh, we have holly, English holly. We bring that over here. It's planted. It escapes. It's an invasive species. We're now just like vilified. You're the yeah. worst. So you get this weird thing. It's like, well, when when's that cutoff, Alex? We bring over English holly 200 years ago. Uh, 400 years ago, we bring over this other plant. A couple thousand years ago, we bring it over. 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years mm-hmm. ago. So when's the cutoff of what is and is not an invasive species? Interesting. What is the, what is the line that you draw that takes humans out of the natural like order of things and says, no, you human are no longer a natural part of an ecosystem that is dispersing seeds. A bird eats an acorn and poops out the acorn and that acorn grows. I know that's not exactly how it works. <laughs> Please don't add us, all right? It is to me. Oh, hi, Casey, Alex. I just wanted to say, acorns, uh, <laughs> that's, that's just not how it works. Casey, can you do such a good impression of that because... Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we get a lot of them. Anyway, we're sorry, 70% facts. This is a, a hypothetical. Yeah. Anyway, so this acorn grows. That bird is a natural part of this ecosystem according to our human definition, Therefore, that bird as a disperser of that seed, that's a natural relationship. Therefore, the tree is naturally being spread. If we humans brought that over and kind of disrupted it would be the term Mm -hmm. and artificially brought over this tree and then that starts happening, we see that as an invasive species bad. So the beech tree is either an invasive species good, a native species, or an invasive species bad, and it would have happened 20-some thousand years ago. Or sure. maybe, maybe we went over there, and then I think it said like 6,000 years ago, um, or 6,000 BC maybe is when they started um, finding this. The, the literature was, was a bit out there. I've got a so, take. I want to hear your take. This is, this is uh, it's, I've, I've said a lot. Here's the climax. All right. Uh. I think it's an invasive species good. Oh, okay. It's chaotic good in <laughs> D&D terms. Good chaos, okay. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, in, that's an interesting... Well, so I'm going to be a little bit of a cynic here, Casey, and it's going to undercut this whole episode. Please do. But I basically think, like, who gives a fuck? Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Just edit out everything I just said. No, I think you're, the story <laughs> no, is very kidding. interesting. But the idea that people are that this would be a debate at all yeah. is it seems very it seems it seems extremely irrelevant now mm, in yeah. the year twenty twenty. It kind of does, doesn't uh, it? It's twenty twenty one. Whoops. <laughs> uh, no, it's twenty twenty two. You know, time is timeless. Okay, Alex, let's not even worry. Whoa, about man. It. <laughs> um, that's that's me- uh, uh, meta. I think is the term. Yeah, that's something the dude would say. Yeah, time yeah. is timeless. Time is time, man. Yeah. No, he'd be like, that's something the narrator of the dude would say. Oh, yeah, that's Sam true. Sam Elliott. Yeah, that's fair. The dude would be like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Honestly, Alex, to add to that, uh-huh. um, there are people who also would say, this is a stupid argument because the beaches would have moved up in this time anyway. Again, let us reiterate, the deglacialization happened so fast that these trees just didn't move up at the right speed yeah, or were are still moving up. So they've made it as far as everywhere in Europe into Northern Europe. And, but some people are like in Norway, they're like, well, did these trees actually get transported by Vikings several thousand years ago from Denmark? Mm. You know? And so the question is like, well, what happened? And I, I kind of agree with you. Who cares? I, however, it do not like the idea that, and I have to wrestle with this. This is a big problem for me. I have to wrestle with the idea that I do not like 
taking humans out of the natural system of things. So remember how I was describing that bird that eats the acorn, poops uh-huh. it out? That, we would say, is natural. If the bird is native, the tree is native. Right. But the thing is, that would have happened you know, thousands of years ago. Everything is constantly changing, and you cannot take humans out of the natural system. We are in it. There's this one earth, as everyone would say. That's right. So if we move something around, I think Michael Pollan would be an author who would probably take this kind of look on things. He's like, well, no, we're still, by scientific definition, transporting and dispersing different things elsewhere. We're just really smart and really good at it. Where Mm. we put them in our pocket, we grow them at nurseries, and we then plant them out on the landscape as trees. Some of them will take root themselves, and they will now naturalize and become a species that grows in an area without any help from humans. Others consistently, constantly need that help, but it still is a dispersal of those seeds at a very highest level look from an animal via however means. Yeah. So if you don't take us out of the natural system, which we cannot be, we are a part of one big system. And as soon as people realize that, man, they're going to be like, what have we been doing for the last 2,000 years? Yeah, man. And we're like 200. Um, but then that's really what's going to change, uh, what I think kind of changes your perspective, where it's like it doesn't matter how the trees got there. Even if they got there today, in 20,000 years, if humans disappear tomorrow, we have trees from the vast like corners of the globe transported to the opposite corners of the globe. And if we just give them a couple thousand years of just fighting it out, the tree species from both of these places will be so intermixed and mingled where you wouldn't even be able to tell that there was like different flora from over here and over here. They would be like one, there's one gigantic flora of trees in Europe and in, uh, let's say, Eastern United States. Mm-hmm. Where they're very similar habitats. They, in fact, have similar species composition. They just have different species, the European beech versus the American beech. But then at one point, if they just both grow in the same place and we have all these different plants that people have moved around, 20,000 years from now, we're going to be like, yeah, whatever, they're all native. We have one native flora of the world. Yeah. Assuming that things survive. <laughs> but... Yes, but then why I said I have to grapple with it, Alex, is that I still believe in invasive species. Sure. Like, I still don't want these uh, English hollies to become a naturalized system here. They already are, so I guess, you know, my wants and hopes are completely pointless. However, it still is a problem that we're trying to actively fight against. Invasive species are objectively a bad thing for that native habitat. Yeah. 90% of the time. So where do you land? I don't know, Alex. I <laughs> incomplete. It's which is serious. When I remember when I asked you about these lines, like where do you draw the line? Yeah. So for me, the you go back two thousand years ago. Let's say we're on a spectrum of interaction with nature, where I uh, and we people now we are interacting with nature in such a monumental like way, like in such an intense way. We're not just like passively happen to be dropping some beech nuts, you know, and forgetting to eat them. Therefore, now a beech grows there. Right. It's in a, like an extension of its natural habitat. I think back then we were more passive about it. So maybe if we're passive about it, it's not considered an invasive species. Interesting. If we are active about it, it's an invasive species. You're thinking intent matters. Exactly. I think intent should matter a little bit. And then, you know, you can't question or wonder what the intent was back then. Maybe someone did say, me like, uh, buch, I'm going to plant it over here yeah. in, in their old English. Right. I know it's not old English. Please don't add us. It sounded like a Gungan. <laughs> it probably was. Misa like the beech nut. 
Misa gonna plant lots of beech nuts. Yeah, yeah. It's like thanks, Jar Jar. Uh, well, yeah. So that's I think intent should matter, and. If even if it is an intent, like maybe we don't know that this tree is going to become naturalized and you know an invasive plant, yeah. Um, then that I, that throws kind of my theory all all to hell because no. it's like yeah, if you intent intently plant a, in you know, what's the word I'm looking for purposefully plant something to grow it and then you just don't even look back, don't even notice. Maybe maybe there also has to be a notice if you if it's intent, then you notice something bad. It is bad. If you don't notice. Then you go. So it's like, what ignorance is bliss at this point? There's a there's a journalistic article waiting to happen here. Oh, someone's gonna listen to this episode. And be like, I was so excited, and by the end of it, I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> I was so lost. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Well, Casey, I think now is as good a time as any <laughs> to get into our review of the European beach with these with this cavalcade of philosophical questions surrounding our head. Yeah, someone's going to need to go back and categorize these for us. Let's let's just let's dumb it down and just post a number on this thing. Yeah, let's really yeah, okay. That's yeah, for all the nursery professionals out there wondering if this is going to be the next big beach. Yeah. Uh, here we're going to give you a number so that you can you can actually like put your money on it. <laughs> uh, we're going to give some final thoughts and then give it a rating of 0 to 10 golden cones of honor. Case as our resident expert as our resident beach enthusiast. Yeah, that's right. I like nude beaches specifically. We begin with you. Have you ever been to Rooster Rock? No, I haven't, but I'd like to. Many There's times. a nude beach over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know lots of people have been, but I just haven't done it myself. Nope. Like a fool. We got we to gotta record a live episode there. Yeah, now that's not to say I haven't been nude on a beach. I just don't know if technically that makes it a nude beach. Wow. I don't know. Casey, clap. Anyway. All right, with your review, mister... So here's here's my thought. I have a couple thoughts. One, on one hand, this beach is incredible. Yeah. This tree is incredible. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Anytime I'm like, what should someone plant? I think for 10 seconds, I usually come up with a beach. Wow. They're incredible trees. They grow amazing. They're big. They can take a bunch of conditions. This yeah. is half the reason everyone likes them. There's some old growth forests in Europe that I found. We'll post some notes to that are like these wild, beautiful places. When beech leaves drop, they kind of just like carpet the ground thoroughly and uniformly. So it's really beautiful. And they have these big white pillars and they kind of decay in cool ways. And they can, they take decay in a really funny way. Like they can just kind of live with a lot of decay before Hmm. they fall apart. They're really strange trees. They can take a lot of conditions. They're also kind of susceptible to a lot of things. And yet they kind of keep growing. I, I don't really understand it. They're kind of an enigma. They can somehow keep their elven beauty all the while. Mm. I love that. However, mm. I don't like that these trees kind of are a little bit... I don't, hmm. They they take over, and I think if we give them the credit of like such regal trees, which is kind of the term I've used and thought about, everyone looks at them like they're so beautiful. They're the perfect tree to put in this landscape. They grow up. They're the most perfect specimen. Yeah. I feel like if you say that to a tree often enough, it's kind of going to kind of go to its heartwood a little bit. Wow. And this tree is going to be a little bit like... Bitch, I'm better than you. <laughs> this tree's got an ego. I think this. I think it does. I wow. think it does. And it's like that's not language you should be using. Beech tree, how dare you? And then you go look in the forests that are like these old, ancient, like UNESCO World Heritage Site forests in Europe, and nothing but beech trees. And I'm like, mm. well, what's the fun in that? Where's all the rest of the trees? Sure. The beech trees are like, no, 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 no. If there were a mishmash of other 
trees in here, we wouldn't be a UNESCO heritage site. And yeah. Thank you very much. Right. And it's like, whoa, that's, uh, that's, yeah, we should, there should be more trees there. I think there are other trees that have the same kind of regalness that get passed over for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I would provide the example of the sugar pine. I think the sugar pine is a tree that is massive. It has great proportions, and it just looks spectacular. The Sika spruce, another great example of a tree that has that kind of je ne sais quoi that mm. you plant it as a specimen or you see it growing in a situation, you're just like, oh my God, that's well, those just- are, Those are also both conifers. They are. So I guess that's the thing. We're saying, well, where's the conifers at? You know, why, yeah. why, why aren't there, where's the UNESCO heritage site for uh, European conifers? Well, you got your Western reds. There are, there are, there are kings of the conifer world. Yes, that is true. I, I accept that. So I guess I'm, I'm thinking that- Sorry, your cones are your own. Hey, I don't no, know what I, I'm doing. I appreciate this. I just felt the passionate elm suddenly. The elm tree is another example. The catalpa. Where's the catalpa world heritage site? I do site? agree with you on that, Casey. So- I'm gonna give the Casey's European beach. Fervent. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I'm really torn on this because, like I said, I choose for this tree at every opportunity. But I feel like you got to knock this tree a little bit because it's getting a little higher than its britches. I'm gonna give it six point five. <gasps> Casey, I'm stunned. I know, I know, and you should be stunned. I want everyone to plant this tree, but I want to know that you know that I know that you know that this tree. Comes with a little bit of a little bit of a, a back pocket of better than you. My jaw dropped. I did. I saw that. And you know what? Uh, I like Peter Wallenben's book. I thought it was nice. It was a nice book about beech trees. Uh -huh. But you know what? There are other things growing in the forest, uh. Ben. And I'm sorry, Peter. So. I know he also knows that because he talks about this, but he literally in the book is like, these oaks grow up and they just kind of get so trashy and they fall apart. But the beautiful beech trees, <laughs> they grow up and take over yeah. and grow forever. And I'm just like, come on. The beach he's purist. How dare you? Yeah, he's a beach purist. And I think there's a lot of beach purists out there. And I'm going to be a contrarian to a beach purist. All I, right. I don't know if that's the right usage of that term. But sure. as we learned today, words can be changed. Oh, boy. Well, 6.5 Golden Cones of Honor? Yeah, this is a complicated... This is, I think, going to be our most controversial uh, controversial episode so far. For the European beach from yeah. Casey Clapp, and famed dendrologist Casey Clapp. Could I also be famed glaciologist Perhaps. and um, anthropologist? Sh no, not yet. <laughs> Dang it. Perhaps <laughs> infamous dendrologist Casey Clapp after wow. this episode. okay. Wow. Now, Alex, as a purveyor of fine things, uh -huh. <laughs> as one who sees purple everywhere because that's just the way you look at the world okay. royally. Oh, yeah, sure. What do you think of the purple beach? Uh, coincidentally, also purple, it adds to it. The purple beach? Yeah, there's a there's a variety called the copper oh. beach, uh, which I believe is the one that's growing right over here next to your, your place. It's here. a variety. Yes, and it grows with these very nice purple leaves and is simply stunning it truly is in its monarchness i thought maybe you were talking about the crimson maple across oh. the way as well no 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 no. but they obviously they have also a very, very similar color yeah so alex in your infinite glory and uh <laughs> your your eye to see things that i just for whatever reason mm. cannot appreciate okay what do you think of the beach <laughs> i don't know how to take that uh the european beach in a positive way. Take it positively. I learned so much about the European beach. I learned too much about the European beach today. I, ha I had a bit of a shutdown. Yeah. You know, like you open too many programs on your computer and it just <laughs> it just shuts itself down. Do you know what the problem is? As I was opening those programs, my brain was also shutting down. I was like, <laughs> what year are we in right now? Your CPU was slowing down. My CPU was completely overloaded. 
<laughs> uh, although I'm sure there are plenty of people who listening whose CPUs could handle such. <laughs> I certainly hope so. Such a, it was an amazing story, Casey. You did a great job. It's not. It's nothing against you. It's only my own. Uh, my own capacity for information, uh, especially tree information. Sure. Um, the European beach. I loved when you when you mentioned that it has sort of this elvish quality. I mm. immediately started thinking about that and how these elves are these ancient beings who, you know, I would say have a right to be the most popular person in the room. Oh, you think so? It's, uh, a, it's a right, not a privilege. I think so. They're gorgeous. They... Uh, and I'm talking about both elves and beaches. Yeah, to I was going to say, I right believe now. You're, you're now just, those, those have morphed into the same thing. They're ancient, they're gorgeous, they give back. They're, their buds are pointy like elvish ears. That's right. <laughs> uh, um, boy, I, th- I am uh, now taking the stance that to hate on beaches is a bit of a hipster move. Wow. And oh a bit of a try hard, a bit of a try hard thing. Uh, I th- I think beaches have seemed to enchant some people. Your arborist, cl- your tree climbing friends, certainly the author of uh, plants stories, the hidden life of plants uh-huh. stories. Yeah. Um. Boy, I I think it's I think it, yes, it is a bit of an egotistical tree, but did it has it not earned its ego? Sometimes an ego is just. Honest, an honest opinion of oneself. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Casey, I'm going to give the European beach, or as I like to call it, the nude beach, 9.3 golden cones of honor. 9.3. Like it absolutely deserves it. I give it a 10 if, if you had given it a 10, so we could have had 10s together. Really? You yeah. would have, we would have both given it a 10. Yeah. All right. 9.3. I'm, I'm stunned at your rating. 9.3. I, was, I have my melodica sitting here. I was completely ready to play the cone song of honor hey i shall remain unplayed today on our 50th episode of completely arbitrary it's the way it goes it's the way it's the way it goes i know that this is a spectacular tree i i agree you remember when we started doing michelin stars yeah uh for a little bit and uh i'm sorry michelin star style yes where you gave the japanese maple like a two or something oh yeah yeah yeah. you know but i think it's a it's a similar thing where it's just like ah this is i you're right it should be a 10 if it was a little more subtle about it i think it would probably get its way up there sure sometimes like you watch the uh like the what are those the 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 Olympics? They have those big grand open ceremonies. Mm-hmm. The same, you multiple people can watch the same thing. Be like, that was the most spectacular yeah. show of theatricness and like coordination and all these things I've ever seen. Then other people could watch and be like, that was so much. Yeah. Oh my god. Just Jesus. Halftime shows. Yeah. Exactly. One person will say, "Oh my god, Lady Gaga was such an embarrassment." The next person will say, "Wow, Lady Gaga has elevated the form." precisely that is i think where we're coming at with this we both watched it we both loved it we both carved our name into it even though you should never do that it we actually just had, hurts the tree a lot we just had different perspectives we just had different perspectives that's fine that's the whole point of the show your cones are your own your cones are your own merch now at <laughs> arbitrarypod.com casey wow that was our review of the european beach it's time i'm excited for Q and A. Interesting. Today's question comes from Frenchman Julien Cayer. Whoa. Hello, Julien. Jul- maybe Julien. 
Uh, Julien writes, good morning, friends. <gasps> good morning. I'm already charmed. This is <laughs> Julien. Already charmed. Your French, your arborist French connection from Quebec, Canada. Ah, yes, hello. Or Quebec. Quebec, yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah. Here is Julian's question. How does the tinting of the heartwood happen? I.e., black walnut always has a ring of clearer wood around the edge, mm. and it's much too wide to just be the cambium. Mm-hmm. What is the process there? Thank you. Love the podcast, and a great day to you, good sirs. Thank you, Julian. Uh, Casey. What a good question. The Heartwood Tinting, which is my favorite uh, David Mamet play. <laughs> I don't even know what that reference is. Uh, it just sounds like a, a play by David Mamet. <laughs> oh, God. I love that. That's a great, that is a great question. Um, and really, what? It, so the differences that you're seeing, it, this isn't a 100%, 100% full stop, but what Julien is talking about is the, the essentially the difference between what we would call the heartwood of a tree, the sapwood of the tree, and then you have the, the cambium and everything else outside the bark. Yeah. So the, the two main kinds of wood, the sapwood and the heartwood, are kind of these two big differences. Heartwood, like for instance in the black walnut, is almost a perfect ring that gets bigger every single year. Mm-hmm. And that heartwood is usually very dark. Like it has like, you know, that's why they call it the black walnut because it's a very, very dark black um, center ring. Okay. As the tree gets larger, this ring expands out. So you have a comparatively small ring of sapwood or, or light-colored wood on the outside, and then on the inside, this really, really dark wood. Okay. So what they would call this um, in the the sort of tree physiology world are extractives or extratives. Extratives. Yeah. And essentially what it is, are what they are, are bits that the tree puts into this wood to help it do something. Most of the time, it's not decay. And the reason they do this is that it would be, um, as the tree gets bigger, you have a couple different things that happen. The first one is that that ring on the outside, the cambium, where all the, uh, uh, everything happens. That's the physiologically active vascular system of the tree. Yeah. Every single year, that goes out and develops a new ring and is always on the very outside of that ring. Mm-hmm. So as that develops, you have a couple years of wood on the inside, so like the most recent rings that are still actively alive. They'll have living cells that will be uh, transporting and storing water and different amounts of nutrients and like stored starches and things like that. So different uh, storage areas for water and for food usually it's it it is actually dissolved in water so just like if you make maple syrup all that sap is going up if you just boil that down it's that really sugary stuff Uh all that sugary stuff is actual sugar and it's the carbohydrates the tree's using as energy right so that gets kind of packed into the wood into the sap wood and they call it sap wood because it's it's literally wet Mm -hmm. so only living cells can actually hold on to and transport water in the wood. So as that ring of cambium moves out, those rings that are still alive holding water slowly die as well so that they're moving out right in behind that cambium. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
So if cambium is is year zero, then year as you go in, you have year negative one, year negative two, year negative three as you're going in towards the center of the tree. Okay. So those first negative one, two, three, four, fives, usually it's like three or four. Those are still alive and they're actively doing stuff with living cells in them. They're wood and the cells that are alive are waning very quickly. They're dying off a lot because mm-hmm. they're only using the last, those just a little bit to do almost literally water and some storage. That's about it. Okay. So as the tree gets bigger and bigger, the tree is like, well, I, I'm not using these pipes that are now shut down way inside the wood. And they start to essentially dry out and they create uh, and they leave as like certain uh chemicals are kind of evacuated they leave these extractives so um you know like if you uh, dissolve something like salt in water you boil off all the water the salt gets left behind right it's kind of a similar process okay where the tree is taking all the stuff out of this wood and then it's depositing all this stuff that's left over. And usually those are um, different chemicals that are related to making the wood non-edible to fungus. Wow. So that's An antimicrobial. Thing. It's exactly what it is. And the entire idea, of course, is that the tree's no longer actively hanging around there. Like there's no living substances. Now, trees are very complicated and a lot of different research is coming out to to say actually like the tree responds even if you um nick wood that should be you know quote unquote dead and wood that is no longer actively used in the tree mm-hmm. some research is actually showing if you do end up causing damage to that wood the tree responds around it even though it's like but wait a second i thought that's dead i thought it's not connected to anything yeah Maybe it still is. So it's it's still very complicated, and we've tried to like dumb trees down a lot, you know, with those layers very easy. Oh, here's the sapwood, here's the heartwood. Done like and with over. this podcast. Oh, yeah, 100% <laughs> all the time, yeah. And but so we understand it, but the best way to describe it is that is like the, the high altitude look at it. Yes, there are these levels, but as soon as you start looking really close at those levels, the boundaries between them, you know, become you know, who knows where they are. They, sure. They become blurred. And you also lose the idea that everything is is acting in a very specific way. You start seeing interactions and small little things. You're like, well, I didn't really know trees could do that. But it's like, yeah. well, I knew they could. I just didn't know the mechanism. And I didn't know how in-depth and how much they worked. Yeah, like if you, if you, if you give me a diagram of yeah. a tree, mm-hmm. I could probably label all the parts. Sure. But if you went out in the forest with me and cut into a tree, I'd probably be completely lost. Yeah, right. Like those board, it, I'm sure those, with, like with anything, those lines are, are blurred. Yeah. Now you um, would probably, probably be able to do it with like a black walnut because that heartwood sure. changes color so drastically. Okay. So to sum up the answer to Julian's question, yep. that tinting is leftover extratives. Correct. Like, and I, I, I Googled extratives, plant mm. extratives, and it has a list here. Oh, yeah. What do we got? Waxes, mm-hmm. fatty acids, mm. resin axes, mm-hmm. terpenes. Yeah. Um, things like that, that it, it has extracted everything it needs. Everything it doesn't need, it stores in that heartwood. Yeah. Which color colorizes it yeah exactly and okay. es- essentially those colors are the the different chemicals that are left in there yeah and sometimes they're actually chemical changes that um are inside the cells of the wood itself so right. it's not just like something inside a little cup and then that cup is clear so you can see through it it's that the cup itself has now changed colors interesting yeah so that's exactly what it is cool uh and that would be considered the heartwood of a tree M- almost all trees do it some have very small heartwood some have very big heartwood and some change 
colors way more than others. Some barely change at all. Wonderful. There well, you uh, thank you, or should I say, merci, Julien, ah. for your question. If you have a question for Casey about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. Hey, join us on Patreon. Hey, join us on Instagram at arbitrarypod. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y. You can get episode updates and photos of trees and such. That's a good way to follow the news of this podcast as well. Mm, that's right. You can also support this podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. You can join the Arboretum and get two bonus episodes a month about other related topics and trees or the Cone of the Month Club and get a unique die-cut cone sticker illustrated by an independent artist every single month in your mailbox. One of my favorite parts of this entire podcast, Alex. Me too. I don't want to play favorites, but it is my favorite part of this entire oh, podcast. Mine is coming up with complex stories and telling them just okay. Casey, I don't want to hear any of that. You did great today. All right. It's our 50th anniversary. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So What'd you get me? Actually, <laughs> oh, oh, me. I got you a complicated story that I'm going to tell poorly. You're supposed to give me a gold watch. Is that the 50th, 50th I think 50 anniversary? Is, I think 50 is gold. Oh, is it? Should I Google it? I, I never, I just think I learned about those kind of recently. Like the, at the five-year anniversary, traditional, do this, do this, do this. Yeah. I don't know who came up with these traditions, you know? Probably jewelry companies. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, like, yes, 50th is gold, Casey. Uh, X, uh, actually, um, Xbox has sponsored the 26th anniversary. So now, um, on your 26th anniversary, it's customary for you to get an Xbox free partner. <laughs> and uh, the 27th is a new controller. So yeah. they can, Casey. You know what the uh, fifth anniversary is? Ooh, okay. Hold on. I'm gonna guess. Uh, the fifth anniversary is um, a, uh, a a corn plant. Close. It's wood. Really? Yeah. What is that? I, what is that supposed to signify? Uh. I guess it's like, oh, your relationship's hard as this wood, and then like slowly, <laughs> it's hard. at 50 years, does it become hard as gold, which is like not right. hard at all. You can just rip it in half if you use your teeth. Well, 75th is diamond. Wow. So. Okay, so maybe it has this, maybe, maybe it kind of does a reversion, it comes back. I think it's supposed to go up in value, so it's oh. like paper, wood, tin, crystal, china, silver, ruby, gold, and diamond. Wow. So if you're poor- and you have been with this relationship for 75 years, yeah. what do you do? That's you get my coal question. and you say, you this is coal. a form of a diamond. <laughs> this is what you've done to my heart over 75 <laughs> years. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, Casey. Oh, good discussion, Alex. Good discussion. Uh, good uh, 50th episode. Thank you. Great episode yourself. Thank you for the surprise melodica. I'm sorry <laughs> for the surprise anti-melodica. You didn't know the song I played. You didn't get my joke. I did get your joke. It's like the I only just... joke I've ever written. <laughs> yeah, you've never actually said a single joke before. That's true. And thank you to you for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. That's right. We will. See you later. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening.